Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks again for joining us. Going to bring you a solid show today. We're going to look back at some of the top races we handicapped with Rick Mocklin last week. And with me from New York is Daily Racing Form handicapper Mike Beer. Uh, he's a hometown upstate New York guy, a native of Saratoga Springs. He has been with the Form since 2000, and he is the co-host of the Daily Racing Form News Desk. He's a regular on At the Races uh, radio program and a featured Daily Racing Form handicapper for Naira. So uh, we figured there's so many good races at Aqueduct this week. We, of course, have the Stepping Stone to the Wood Memorial, the Gotham Stakes, an interesting race. Uh, then you've got the uh, Tom Fool Handicap, 200000 and another two hundred grander, the Top Flight Handicap, all from Aqueduct, right in Mike Beer's backyard. And then I'm going to ask him to go down to Gulfstream Park, a race that uh, doesn't have points but could have an impact down the road at the Kentucky Derby. That is Gulfstream Park's Swale Stakes, often a launching pad for the Florida Derby. Uh, in addition to Mike, we're going to have uh, Frank Angst from the Blood Horse is going to be with us. Of course, uh, Frank does that handicapping show this week. He did it with Claire Novak, and they zeroed in on the Gotham. So we'll talk to Frank about that race and also about a very interesting article that will be out in the magazine this week. Uh, Frank uh, closely uh, monitored the Jockey Guild meetings uh, down in Florida, and uh, there's a new uh, study going out, as you know, in a lot of sports, the concerns about concussions and kind of uh, his uh, – insights into maybe some things that could have been prevented and he also has a lot of good information about what is going to happen with a combination I believe with the jockey club as far as baselining the athletes for concussion information Um, hopefully we can uh, prevent anybody else from from getting hurt and some of the tragedies that happen after their careers are over in the saddle. So, okay, we're going to be talking with Mike Beer, and we're going to be talking with Frank Angst, but before we get to some of our national news, I want to give a little 
shout out to one of our regular listeners and someone that utilizes the tools at Winning Ponies, Vanell McCoy. Sounds like a good Irish name. I uh, got a letter from him saying, hey, I got to tell you guys, you're amazing. Uh, first, I bought my 40 credits. Later, I deposited 247 into my account. On Saturday at Gulfstream, had a pick three and pick four. Uh, things starting out, he hit a $240 pick three in the third, $119 pick three in the fourth, and $123 pick four in the fifth. Then he waited till the next day, and on Sunday, that's when things really geared up at Gulfstream Park. He hit a huge pick three in the ninth, $1,537, a pick four for over three grand in the 11th, and uh, race 10, saved the pick four when he got in by a DQ, and he had uh, a two-minute lick in the top three, so he went from less than $250 in account to over 5000 in just two days, and he says, uh, let go of fear, and anything is possible. What a blessing it is to be part of your site. Thank God for winning ponies. Well, I'm not sure we're blessed from above, but we'll, we'll take the credit. And uh, Vanel McCoy, thanks a lot. Glad you had a big day and hope you can parlay that into some more winners. Uh, hopefully, uh, between uh, Frank and Mike, we're going to give you a few before the show is over. Well, uh, uh, Jackie has been a true gentleman that I've watched uh, win many times over the years. Corey Lannery may be with us uh, in a couple weeks when he receives the George Wolf Memorial Jockey Award. Uh, it was announced uh, just yesterday that he won it. Uh, Lannery's only 39 years old, uh, and he was chosen by a nationwide vote of his riding peers, and that's why this award is so important to the jockeys. Uh, the five finalists included uh, David Amos, Dennis Carr, Aaron Greider, and Scott Stevens. Uh, it's been presented at Santa Anita since 1950. Uh, the good thing about this award is that it recognizes riders whose careers and personal character have earned them esteem for both themselves and the sport. And I can tell you firsthand, uh, Corey is a class act. Of course, he's one of those guys that came up from Louisiana. Uh, he... Uh, his father was a jockey. He, then he became a trainer. His grandfather was a trainer. And he was one of these guys that started out riding at the bush tracks. And uh, in 2012, what a great year he had. He set a personal record for purses with his mounts earning over $7 million. He's won meet titles at Churchill, uh, Ellis, and uh, he had a good time in Texas while he was there. Lone Star, Sam Houston, and Rotama. So congratulations. The Wolf Award goes to Corey Lannery. Well, they say you can't come home, but Frank Gabriel is the CEO for the Dubai Racing Club. Is going to come back to New York, and he's going to be the racing secretary for Belmont and Saratoga. As you know, uh, Frank just has an outstanding reputation among horsemen, and for so many years he was up in the Chicago area. Anybody that's met this guy, you come away with a smile on your face, and you know that uh, he, he was a class act, and certainly uh, uh, took a big jump when he decided to go over there. He spent nine years over with the Dubai Racing Club. So, Frank Gabriel, welcome back home. A welcome to the winner's circle with a familiar last name of Davis. Apprentice Katie Davis, the daughter of retired jockey Robbie Davis, and a sister to jockeys Jackie and Dylan Davis, got the first victory of her career last Friday at Aqueduct Racetrack. She's only 22 years old. She was making her 15th start and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Davis family uh, 
does, and I'm putting this out, you're hearing it live here for the first time, we've got to get a family feud. We get the Hernandez family, Brian, his brothers, and his father, and the Davis family riding against each other. Will somebody out there in racetrack management please heed this message? I think it would be a great PR tool for racing uh, to pit the Davis family against the Hernandez family in a series of races. I'm not sure if you'd pick a, a Louisiana track, a New York track, or someplace right in the middle, but I think it would be a great, great PR tool for the sport. We could call it Racing's Family Feud. Of course, Robbie Davis was a great rider uh, on his own. He, he, he won over 3,300 races before he retired back in 2002, and uh, he's now a, a trainer on the East Coast. So c- congratulations to the Davis family. Well, uh, the uh, Adina Springs has wanted to get some of their um, Mucho Macho Man back. Mucho Macho Man is going to join a stallion roster that now boasts five Breeders' Cup Classic winners, Alphabet Soup, Awesome Again, Fort Larned, and Ghost Zapper. So uh, the agreement is that the the six-year-old multiple grade one winner is going to continue to race, but for breeding, he'll be back at the top stud barn of Adina. What's interesting that uh, Frank Stronach uh, pointed out is that uh, he actually sold the dam of uh, him in fold to uh, Macho Man. Um, and uh, so it's kind of a return home. He, he sold the mare. The, the, the foal was born. Mucho Macho Man, uh, of course, has turned out to be a great horse. And what really you have to put in perspective when you're looking at uh, – you know, somebody for uh, a stallion, we see so many rushed off, is that how many stallion prospects anywhere in the world uh, can hold their top form from two through six like Mucho Macho Man has? And, of course, we're going to be having a good matchup in the uh, the big cap coming up here against Will Take Charge, and that will be very, very interesting to watch. So, anyhow, uh, Kathy Ritvo is still going to train Mucho Macho Man, and uh, Finn Green will remain as the racing manager. It'll be very interesting to see if he makes it back to the Breeders' Cup this year. Well, a horse that uh, we hadn't seen since, I believe, the Kentucky Derby was Normandy Invasion. Well, he is back, and he is running. He returned in track record-setting victory in a one-mile optional claiming race at Gulfstream Park last week. Of course, he was a big favorite with Javier Castellano in the saddle. Uh, he won by seven and three-quarter lengths in a record time of 133.13. He's trained by Chad Brown for uh, Rick Porter's Fox Hill Farms, uh, another talented runner for Tappet. I mean, I just don't know how hot Tappet can be right now, uh, almost in every division. Uh, and it looks like they're going to try to get him to, to stretch out. Last year, if you recall, he... Uh, Looked pretty good at the top of the lane in the Kentucky Derby, but they ended up weakening late and finished fourth. But he's only three and a half lengths behind Orb. Uh, so a Normandy Invasion will be joining the horses at the handicap ranks. Well, uh, gentlemen, we had on months ago, Ron Paolucci, kind of an interesting guy, is making a big move here. Um, after Rhea Antonio, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly winner, uh, didn't fare too well down in New Orleans. He's decided her to move her from 
the stable of Jeremiah Engelhart to that of one Bob Baffert. Now, they say it wasn't a bad falling out. It was just that uh, he, he wanted Jeremiah to go with Rhea Antonio out to uh, the West Coast. Uh, he's pointing her towards the Santa Anita Oaks at Santa Anita. So Bob Baffert's going to get the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly. Uh, again, Engelhart uh, being a, a class act, upstate New York guy, said, you know, uh, what, what can I do? I've got about 50 horses in training, and you develop a relationship with these animals, as with all the people, your staff that you work with who show up there every morning at 4.30, giving their lives to do what they do with the horse. And I, at this time, I, I have to be with the bulk of my horses. And, of course, uh, Ron, Ron said the same thing. He said, do you think I want to move my horse from the guy who won the Breeders' Cup with her? No. But it's part of the business I hate, but I want to, the trainer to be out there leading up to the big race. So that was some uh, late-breaking news. It'll be very interesting down the road. Uh, we had some uh, other information coming out of the Rachel Alexander, and that's that streaming is going to be out for two months uh, with a bone chip. So uh, replacing her will be Rhea Antonio now in the Bob Baffert barn. So, again, real quick, we'll just uh, recap last week's races uh, before uh, we get on with Frank Angst. Um, in, the, in the Fountain of Youth, it was Wildcat Red proving that his speed was no fluke. Rick Mocklin, our handicapper, picked this horse. Wildcat Red paid $11 to win. In the second spot, and right there in the second spot, was General A-Rod and uh, running third was top billing who probably didn't get the best of that race it was a speed favoring track all day long and it was wildcat red and general a rod ding dong in it the whole way around there if you look at the day's charts you'll see that definitely top billing was running against the bias uh, then we went uh, to a, a points race for the kentucky derby the winner by a nose with Mike Smith in the saddle. Intense holiday. Put in a huge close and caught pace setter Albano right at the wire. Another horse, kind of like top billing, got parked outside and came late. Vickers in trouble. You got to give that colt a chance to come back next time out. Of course, in the Rachel Alexandra. Untappable proves she's one of the best three-year-old fillies in the country. She pulled away to win by nine and a half lengths. Again, that's the race that streaming was 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 injured in. Got lucky was second. Shannon Nicole was third. And then in the mine shaft handicap, uh, Rosie Napravnik finally got to get her picture taken on the card. She brought home Bradster, paying fifteen forty to win. That's a look at national news. That's a look at last week's results. And pretty soon, we're going to be talking to the blood horses, Frank Angst. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a gentleman that has not been a stranger to the listeners at Winning Ponies. I've I've had him on many times, but usually when I have Frank Angst from the Blood Horse on, I uh, use his tools as a handicapper. But uh, today uh, I'm going to have the former Thoroughbred Times senior writer and now the writer for the Blood Horse on uh, to talk more about uh, a story he recently penned, and then I'm going to ask him since he co-hosted that handicapping show on the Gotham Stakes. I want to get his read on that race, too, before we go away. Uh, he's kind of a guy that uh, runs in similar circles to me. He's a, a Cincinnati native that cut his teeth at River Downs and Turfway Park. With us right now from the Blood Horse, Frank Anks. Frank, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, John? Uh, well, I'm just as, you know, here with like three layers of clothes on, like everybody else in the Midwest. It's going down to six degrees tonight, so <laughs> I live in it's kind of an old house. Winter. It gets a little airy here. Never ending winter. I'm ready for the spiral stakes at Turfway to maybe signal a, a sign of spring here in a few weeks. Well, we'll get a peek into it uh, this weekend, I think, with the Bataglia, a name certainly associated uh, with that track. And I don't know if you knew it or not, but uh, Mike's father, John Bataglia, was the GM not only at Latonia, which is now Turfway, but he was also the GM at River Downs at the same time. He would go between track to track. Oh, well, I knew the Latonia connection. I wasn't aware of the River Downs connection. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, Mike. Mike called there for a little while himself, as did obviously a, a lot, a lot of good announcers. Well, r- earlier today I was uh, having a conversation with uh, uh, Jeff Johnston, one of the regional managers of, of the Jockeys Guild, and uh, he, he he told me he says, "Hey, you got to get this article that was written by Frank Anks." He says, "Frank's been, you know, following the goings on of the Jockey Guild. Like, I'm guessing you got to go to the meetings uh, down at Florida, and uh, you penned a very uh, I- interesting story about uh, kind of a collaboration." that's going to go on, I believe, with the Jockey Club as far as, uh, shall I say, tracking um, 
concussions. Um, the the other thing you alluded to was was uh, conversations with uh, Eddie Donnelly, who we had on about a month ago on the show. Uh, Ride the White Horse is his recent book, and he, he perhaps attributes doesn't blame um, some of his. Uh, 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 shall we say, setbacks in life on various levels uh, to the fact that he probably had more concussions than he could count. Uh, give us some yeah. insight on, on what's, what's going on there with, with the Jockey Guild and with the, the, the new uh, move forward to get a jump on the concussion issue. Yeah, and, and just to clarify on Eddie, he, he, he doesn't think so, but it, it is something in the back of his mind that he sort of wonders, I think would best describe it. Just because well, he's very open he's about seen, his... Yes, toe stubs in life, that's for yeah, sure. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, I think we all know some riders that have run into problems. And uh, for years, I mean, I've just always heard the people say, you know, well, they're, they have to maintain weight their whole lives. That's a very difficult thing, obviously. And people kind of say, well, does that kind of lead to some, obviously, the majority of jocks don't have problems. And it's probably about the same level of problems that society has. But at any rate, um, now that we know things uh, about concussions, that we know from the studies that have come largely out of Boston where they've looked at brains of former largely football players um, to see, and they've tracked the CTE, which is a disease associated with multiple concussions. And the NFL obviously uh, initially was, had settled on a large lawsuit, uh, largely because they had team doctors that were encouraging these guys to continue to go out. But um, from a rider's perspective, I think it's the main thing that's going on now is to start with is awareness and education. And with the Jockey Club and the Jockey's Guild are getting together to do these baseline tests, which also I think if you follow football or hockey, now knowing what we know when a player has a concussion, they go back to the baseline test and say, this is how your reflexes and your memory and your recall abilities did when you're at a healthy state, now that you've had your concussion, let's run the same test and see where you're at. And that's a tool that the, the athlete and the physician can use to see how far along they are and, and make a more informed decision of, of when that athlete can come back. Now, Frank, just today I was listening to a sports show, and there was somebody, ta- a professional uh, athlete, talking about doing the same thing in both baseball and football, and they talked about this baseline test. And I'm still a little unclear. Do you know what goes into a baseline test? I mean, is, is it written? Is it spoken? Do they put wires? Do you take, take a CAT scan? What goes into it? I- I actually went over to the jockey club and took the same baseline test that the jocks are taking. Um, a lot of it is similar to memory games. Uh, and maybe you played when you're little and you flip two cards and you got to remember where each was positioned. There's some letters uh, that you try to remember how those were sequenced. Um, there's some line graphs. Uh, and it's sort of hard to describe, but it largely looks like doodles. And they'll show you about... They'll show you about eight of those, and then they'll come back, and it'll show you about 20 of them, and you decide which ones you initially saw and which ones you didn't. Um, it's not a test you can fail. It's, it's really just to see where you are at in a healthy state. Um, one of the challenges that the jockey club is aware of is, obviously, we have a lot of jockeys that speak 
Spanish and other languages for that matter. Uh, the test is available in, I believe they said 16 different languages. Wow. So that, that should help, uh, ease the, ease the, uh, language barrier for any jock that English isn't their first language. Even if you've learned to speak English, I think you would want to take the test in the language you're most comfortable with. Now, Frank, let's just say, let's face it, uh, we're not all equal. And uh, so basically the baseline is set on what you already know. You know, I remember I went to school, I was no Mark Radlewski, but I was no Tony Gianni. Um, So all of us have different levels of what we would have um, of recall or of, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, intelligence or IQ. So basically, there's no pass-fail. You're just based on your ability, right? I'm sorry, John. Um, I would not characterize any of the questions involving IQ. Um, There's some things that you, it times how fast you can do it, but it's largely putting things in order, putting letters in order, uh, putting shapes in order. Um, I don't. I think it's largely a test of, your, of reflexes, memory, uh, not so much IQ or, or on that level. But again, and again, though, it's it's just to see where you're at in a normal uh, normal state when you're healthy and you haven't had a brain injury. Um, now, how widespread is this going to be offered, Frank? Do what now? Sorry. How widespread will this be offered? Is this just going to be this in the major the jurisdictions, or will will they travel yeah. uh, to, to 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 smaller track areas? The, the Jockey Guild, any member of the Jockey Guild, can sign up for the Jockey Health Information System. Uh, this has been around for a few years, and the advantage of this already was, um, I'll, I'll bring up John Velasquez, not to, I'm not to obviously bring up his medical records, but I know he's a participant. And I think you'll recall a few years ago, John had a, a nasty spill at Keeneland. He was unconscious at the time, but because he was in that system, when the paramedics and the doctors uh, came to treat him, they already had a medical record. They already knew that John, you know, any allergies to medicine, any past medical problems that he's had, they were able to call that up in a time of emergency to give the best treatment. Now okay. the jockeys, Jockey Club is funding these baseline concussion tests. So that record will go into, into the Jockey Health Information System of any participating jock in that, so then that record will be on file. Again, the test is not the end all either. The, the doctor's still going to run the standard, you know, look into your eyes with the uh, flashlight and do the, do all types of different tests, but it's a tool and it, it's probably one of the more useful tools, um, from what, from my understanding, talking with medical professionals. Well, it, uh, you know, what, what can I say? Every sport's concerned about it. It sounds to me like there's no reason we can't keep up with it, uh, with, with the yeah. science and, and the technology, you know, that we have. And it, 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 to me, it, 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 it's just so important because I know a lot of guys that took a spill, took a race or two off, but they were named on the favorite and the feature or whatever. Because the thing about these guys is, you know, unlike a baseball player or football player, that they're going to have their contract for the year with a jockey, no play, no pay. And that's the challenge. And I'm sure anyone that has followed this sport for any time realizes there's no athlete that's tougher than a jockey. And we've seen them get out there with numerous injuries. I think just knowing what we know now, that the thought is, you know, it's one thing to get out there and find a way to, to ride with a, a severely twisted ankle or even 
a broken rib, but it's another thing when you have a, a head injury. And uh, just with the new, you know, the new research and information that we have now, it's just not something to take chances on. It's it's the one thing you want to be most cautious about because, granted, it'd be a terrible thing to miss out on riding a winner in the feature race that day. But you also have to think down the road and where you'll be at. The good news for riders is. It's not like football where if you have a concussion the next day of practice, if you go out there and practice, you're still going to get hit in the head numerous times, you know, if you're a lineman or linebacker. That's generally not the case with a jockey. The concern on the jockey part is when they do have a head injury, concussions, they tend to be on the more severe side. It's usually a pretty good blow if you obviously fall off a horse going 40 miles an hour and hit the rail or the ground or, or the horse itself. So so that's where, you, when they do happen, uh, it's, it's really getting the word out there that uh, to proceed with caution. Well, uh, all I can say is I've, I've read, I had a chance to, uh, to to read your article, and that was a, a very informative, and certainly I've learned a, a lot more in our conversation right now. Well, let me... Uh, let me uh, Move to a slightly different subject and something I know our audience is interested in. Uh, earlier this evening, I uh, tuned in to that handicapping show, and uh, you and uh, Claire Novak were uh, were ad- addressing the Gotham Stakes, the stepping stone to the to the Wood Memorial, and um, it, it shapes up to be a very interesting race because you, you've got these. Uh, uh, Two New York breds, uh, Uncle Sai and Samarat, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, who just put in one ding dong daddy of a race last time out in the Wither Stakes. And uh, I know that you and Claire kind of went a little bit outside the box, shall I say, with a horse that's been well traveled from Parks to Laurel to Aqueduct back to Laurel in uh, extra sexy. Hipster, a horse that can rate. Uh, give me a read if you can uh, briefly on the Gotham. I won't keep you much longer. Yeah, sure. I mean, Samurai and Uncle Sai really put on one of the one of the best shows of the year. Um, but I just see a, a little larger field here, and and I, I really, when you look at the closing fraction of those two, as courageous as it was, they really slowed down in that final fraction, and that concerns me. So I turned to Extra Sexy Hipster, who also tends to be toward the front, but if you watch his last race, I thought he rated pretty well in third. A uh, larger field here, maybe he's even able to rate, and it's two tilties, going two turns for the first time, so maybe he'll be able to even rate just a little bit more, but I definitely see the talent there, the Brisnet, uh, the, uh past performance, their speed figure was very encouraging. Uh, looks like a horse that could be sitting on a big race. Yeah, and uh, the, the buyers were, uh, were 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 pretty solid too. Um, so, what can I say? It's the Gotham, and it's a fifty-point race. Somebody's probably going to punch their ticket to the Daily Racing form. With that, my producer's telling me it's time to go. Frank Anks from the Blood Horse. Thanks so much for joining us this evening on Winning Ponies. Anytime, John. It was fun. You know, I got your number, and I'll call you. Okay, coming up next, Mike Beer, our New York inside information guy, is going to break down the big races at Aqueduct. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds 
Sports Park. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a gentleman I've been wanting to get on the show since I, I've watched his videos so much with Dan Elman, who's uh, been kind enough to join us on many occasions here on Winning Ponies. His name Mike Beer. He's a native of beautiful Saratoga Springs, New York. Uh, he's been with the racing form now for, looks like, 14 years, co-host of the Daily Racing Form News Desk, a regular guest on At the Races radio program. Uh, he's, a, he's a DRF handicapper for the Naira track. And uh, you can also get his special analysis of the New York races at drf.com and enjoy, again, his videos with uh, Dan Illman. And uh, sometimes you'll even get him on the show, Night School. So with us right now for the first time out of the box, Mike Beer. How are you, my friend? Hey, John. How's it going, man? I really uh, appreciate you having me on. Everything's fine up here in, in freezing cold New York. <laughs> well, believe me, it's uh, not any warmer here in the Midwest. We're going to send you something else next week. I got news for you. But, uh, Mike, well, what I want to know is, and I guess the question is pretty obvious, is uh, how did you get into racing? And I guess if you grow up in Saratoga Springs, you're almost baptized into it. Yeah, growing up where I did, it's almost impossible to avoid it. Um, and I, I certainly couldn't do that. And, uh, yeah, my father w- was into it, my older brother um, was especially uh, into it. He he really he was the one who really got me uh, involved in and interested in it. And, um, he taught me how to handicap. We'd get the form and uh, we would go through it together. And he, he's the one who really taught me everything about the game. Uh, so uh, you know, I got into it that way. And um, around the time that I was in high school or just starting high school, my father bought uh, some harness horses to race. Um, we used to race at Yonkers and, and Roosevelt mostly, but uh, he bought them because my older brother wanted to train. So uh, we had a stable of harness horses who we would race. I would work with my brother around the barn in the mornings, and uh, then we would uh, 
head over to the simulcast in uh, for the thoroughbreds in the afternoon. That was that was pretty much how I grew up. Well, uh, it, it's a story I've heard before, quite frankly. <laughs> Not all the details, but uh, the connection with horse racing. Now, Mike, um, you know, let's face it. Any of us that work in racing are blessed because we don't really go to work during the day. We're doing something that we love. How did you manage to get your foot in the door? Uh, at the forum, um, you know, I, it's funny because I, when I wound up going to college, I wasn't, um, you know, Personally, I would have been, you know, just just happy to work with my brother with the horses and, and just sort of stay on that. And um, I wound up going to school because my parents basically made me go. And, and where did uh, you go to school? Yeah, to go to school. Yeah. So, uh, but I did, and I and once I graduated college, um, I sent out. I had no, I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something in horse racing, but uh, wasn't really sure, you know, how to go about getting a job like that. So I sent one resume out when I graduated college to the racing forum. And, uh, of course, I didn't get the job. Um, but uh, that's the only resume I said. And then I worked in, in a couple of different jobs. Um, I, I actually worked for the uh, New York Yankees for a while. And, um, but I always wanted to get back uh, into horse racing. And so um, an opportunity arose um, a few, right around the summer of 2000. Um, that they were just, you know, it wasn't any you know, special way to get a job, John. They, they ran an ad in the, in the form. I had the form that day. They ran an ad that they were um, looking for some help, uh, I think it was in the overnight room, just taking entries from all the tracks. And so I just applied for it. And that's, that's how I got it. It was a very mundane way <laughs> to get a job, but that's how I got the job and I took it. Well, it, it's a great way to get in the game. Now, how did you work your way up into being a pretty well-known New York handicapper? And now we see, we see your videos with my friend Dan Illman on a regular basis. Obviously, uh, the, the form, we had Mandy Menger on uh, about eight weeks ago, and they've really taken a proactive uh, stance in in. Because they're well aware of the social media aspect of uh, getting our sport out uh, to people. How did you get yourself up up to that level where I can uh, pretty much turn my computer on and see you once a day? Yeah, I started out um, after I got you know in in my foot in the door. There, it was just a matter of you know people you know you get to talking to the to the right people there, and they they realize that you have the passion for it and that you're you know um, have a, a halfway decent opinion anyway, and so. Um, you know, they started me out with writing the closer look features that we have, um, you know, for, for most of the major tracks in the, in the DRF. And so I wrote closer looks for a while. Um, but, you know, to take it to the next level, to the level that I'm at now, um, you know, to be perfectly honest, John, I, I owe almost all of that to, to Dan Elman because I, um, you know, once we opened the studio in, in the office here in New York where they wanted to do a lot more video Stuff and a lot more handicapping on air. Um, they did ask me to, you know, go in and try out for that, and I just was not a person who who, was, who wanted to do that. I wasn't comfortable being on camera. I didn't want to do it, um, and so I, you know, when they asked me a couple different times, I just declined to do it. I was like much, I was much more comfortable just writing. Really, and, uh, you know, staying in it that way. Dan really forced me to go into the studio, and he's the one who. Um, you know, he basically invented the segment race of the day video because um, he wanted to, you know, make a vehicle for us to go on the air together and talk about races. And so I, I really owe all of it to him. Um, anybody who was watching race of the day for the first uh, few months, I apologize for my performance. <laughs> I was not very uh, good on camera, but the, you know, the more you do it, you get used to it. So 
um, we've just sort of taken it from there. We've been doing you know those videos and the weekend stakes previews now for the last five or six years. Well, I, I can relate. I mean, I've ended up doing uh, television for uh, 15 years, but I, I do remember those first couple of shows, and it's like all of a sudden the cameraman points to you, and <laughs> you just yeah, kind of lock up those. I, I don't, for a while, you know, if you've got a good coach, they just say, hey, pretend you're talking to your brother, your family, whatever, you know. Believe me, you know more than the guy that's probably watching you. You know, that's the reason we've got you here is because you're well-studied in your craft. So, you know, and, and and then you do. You get more relaxed. And I'm sure working with somebody like Dan, you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're two guys at the track talking about the race. Roll camera. That's that's exactly how Dan proposed it to me. And he, you know, it's it's I to me, you know, it's always easy. There was you know, at the time. I was like, for Dan, it's always easy for him to say because he was. You know, Dan's a natural in that setting. Like he just he took right to it, and he had no problem with it. But. Uh, but, you know, and I do a lot to him, though, because he's the one, he put it to me just the way you said it, John. You know, it's just me and you talking at the track. Don't worry about, you know, don't think about who's watching and listening. Don't think about the camera, any of that stuff. And so, you know, you, you do get used to it after a while. All right, well, listen, we're talking with Mike Beer from the Daily Racing Forum, so let's put his feet to the fire because uh, he, he is a New York native, and we've got some big races in New York this week, uh, none bigger on a national scale uh, than the Gotham, uh, a race that uh, will once again pit uh, two uh, pretty amazing New York breads in uh, Samurad and Uncle Sai, who uh, put together a ding-dong battle uh, the two of them, ten links away from the rest of the field in the, in the grade three withers stakes. Uh, they're going to come back there. Some one slight change is uh, Corey Nakatani is going to get the call on Uncle Sai. But we've had a much larger cast of characters because the withers was only a six-horse field. And now all of a sudden you bring in a in trouble that was the winner of the futurity but he's going to be stretching out for the first time. You've got a solid closer and financial mogul. And as uh, uh, Frank had mentioned earlier, this extra sexy hipster uh, puts a, a whole other dimension into the race. So you've been there, you've watched them, and again, I can't leave out the horse harpoon, although I don't like the number 10 post position. Uh, this brings together a very interesting cast of characters. How do you see this race falling together or falling apart? Yeah, it does It does feel like, if nothing else, it's a much more interesting race than the Withers was. And, you know, whatever you thought about that Withers field with only six in there, and um, it, it did sort of feel like between Uncle Cy and Sam Rat, one of those two horses was, was just going to win that race. And as it turned out, you know, they just hooked it up from the gate. And you don't often see two horses just race all the way around the track from start to finish. They did that. And uh, you know what? Sam Rat just proved uh, the better of the two in there. And that's not to say that Uncle Cy didn't run well, but he did. Um, and, you know, they, I thought they both ran very well in that race. And in a lot of ways, they're the two horses that everybody's going to have to beat in here. Um you know, I don't know, right, John. I think either one of those two horses could win, um, but uh, I would be inclined in a field like this one to, to probably take some shots against those two horses. Um, I was most interested in doing it with um, the horse that you mentioned, who's off a layoff here and stretching out for the first time. That's in trouble. Who, who goes for Tony Dutro? And um, I was just really, really impressed with what this horse did as a two-year-old. And um, his debut uh, was a really, really good effort a race uh, up at Saratoga, um, going five and a half furlongs. And it was just most impressive to me because he showed that he had speed, 
but that also he didn't need to be anywhere on the lead. They let him run away from the gate, and then he just came to hand uh, for Joe Rocco. He would track the pace in there, and he was much the best when, when Rocco asked him to go. He was, he was really good that day. When he came back for the future, he just did the same thing. I mean, he broke from the gate running. Corfu, uh, who was second to him, was a Todd Pletcher horse who was a very big favorite in there, and he just let that horse have the lead, and when he came for him, um, he just drilled that horse through the stretch. I think this horse is really talented. Now the question you have with him is obviously he had an injury after the futurity. I think there was a surgery involved. And so, you know, will he come back the same horse? And um, will he be effective stretching out in distance? I'm not as concerned about distance with him just because he seems like such a handy horse. But, um, you know, the layoff and the injury could be a little bit of an issue for him. He's very well drawn in this race, though. I think there's a good trip coming for him again. And I just wanted to try him because I do feel like in a lot of ways, and this goes back to last year, I felt like he could have been, you know, one of the better two-year-olds in the country. If they could have kept him sound and, and made their way to the Breeders' Cup with him, um, I thought he, he deserved a shot in a race like that. And so maybe this is the, the one spot off the layoff. You get a little bit of a price on him. And uh, I was going to take a shot with him to upset the favorites. But he's, you know, he's far from the only option against those two horses. Well, a horse that I find very intriguing in here is this financial mogul, and I don't have any odds in front of me, so I don't know where he's at. He's one of the two uh, Richard uh, Violet horses in there. Uh, he, he's a huge closer in a race like this. Obviously, we know we got some guaranteed speed up there, but you know they say you're judged by the the company you keep. Uh, he did run uh, last year in the Futurity. He was soundly beaten by In Trouble, but after that, he ran a pretty game second to Cairo Prince. And uh, in the Holy Bull, okay, he finished sixth, but he was only beaten two and a half lengths in that race. And running third in that race was Intense Holiday, who, as you know, put in uh, quite a uh, a solid race in the uh, Risen Star last weekend. Uh, What's your read on this horse, and what's your read on uh, what I would say the two horses that can rate or close, and that would be extra sexy his hipster and this financial mogul yeah financial mogul i guess um the, the deal with him would be um you know what happened what happened last time i mean, i still i really didn't feel like he ran his race and so if you have an excuse for him coming out of that race i think uh, uh rick violet in fact said he came out of he scoped a little bit dirty after that race so maybe that's his excuse and that's that's all it's going to take as national was certainly if he could go back and run something like that and maybe even improve upon it a little bit. I, I think that would give him a chance in here if he gets just the right kind of a pace set up. And uh, what if he was going to be able to do? It, it, it is worth pointing out anyway that the, the Nashua as a race was one that, I mean, it, the pace just completely fell apart in there. And so, you know, horses like him, um, Noble Moon, who was third in that race, those horses all um, had the best of it in there, a pace that was just completely coming apart to the stretch. And the horses who were able to sit it out and make one run, had all the best of it. Um, Financial Mogul was one of those. But that's not to say that he didn't run well that day. He, if he can bounce back off of his pretty, I thought, disappointing effort last time, I think he's, he's a, a player in this race. They have him 10-1 on the morning line. I wouldn't argue with anybody who wanted that price on him. Extra Sexy Hipster is a horse who I think is very interesting in here. I do wonder um, how much I'm going to like him going along, ultimately. He was, he was good last time. I do like the fact that he was able to rate and uh, sit in behind the lead going a one-turn mile at Laurel. Um, I've always been a fan of him. I think he has an awful lot of ability. I don't necessarily like him that much in this race. Um, but uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he was you know, sitting right there at the top of the stretch and, and with a fair shot to win it. 
All right, well, we'll see if uh, Tony Dutro can stretch out in trouble. He, he draws the rail. He looks like he's got a, uh, a good ability to get position, and Joe Rocco will be back in the saddle in the Gotham. We're talking with Mike Beer from the Daily Racing Forum. Of course, he's, he's located in New York. Uh, big races at Aqueduct this week. Let's move on uh, to a race where it looks like David Jacobson is holding a very strong hand, and it's the grade through three Tom Fool handicap. This is a six furlong dash. Uh, Jacobson's got Strapping Groom and Candyman E, which is you go through the uh, Daily Racing Forum line here, you see Candyman's E in bold uh, over about half the field. Yeah, that's very true. Look, uh, Jacobson, he's, you know, they're, they're drawn to the one and two holes, and they're, you know, they're, they're the two best horses in the race. And so, um, that could make him pretty tough to oppose. I would think, really, where you want to start your handicap when you look at this race is with Scrapping Groom, however, because, you know, I think it's pretty clear just from looking at him on paper that uh, if he runs his, you know, one of his A races, um, then he's just going to beat this field. I mean, he's better than these horses based on what he did um, throughout 2013 in a grade one winner. And um, he just ran one good race after another after Jacobson playing this horse for $35,000. And, um, Felt like he, you know, turned his life around a little bit. His last race in the Gravesend, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that race, John. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to run another race like that one again, a 110 higher speed figure, just absolutely blowing a field off the track. Um, we'll see what happens. He hasn't run since December 21st. Um, so we're about, you know, two and a half months now, a little over two months as we've seen this horse run. He was entered uh, to run back against several of these horses in the, in the toboggan. On February 1st, and he didn't make that race with a quarter crack. Um, Jacobson was not that happy with him, so he scratched him from that race, and now he's going to run him here, apparently. Um, so we'll just uh, we'll just see what happens. If he runs his best race, he's going to win. Um, I feel like there are at least some reasons to believe that he may not run his best race with the you know the situation we just talked about. He's drawn to the rail. There are speed horses to his outside. They could make it a little tough on him. I, this was a race where. I would never leave him out of any multi-race wager that I was playing. Um, but, you know, straight up in the wind pool, I wanted to try to beat Strapping Groom. Um, Candyman E, you would feel like it's the next logical horse to, to take that horse down. Um, he's been very good in his last two starts. Um, but he's another horse who sort of wants to be forward in his races. There's plenty of speed in this race with Strapping Groom to his inside, badge caps to his outside. Maybe things are a little tougher for him this time. I was going to take a little chance in this race with, with the number three Saturday's charm who just missed winning this race last year by the dirtiest of noses. And he's just a horse who, you know, he hasn't run as well since that last year's Tom Fool. I don't think in any of his starts, but he's had some things working against him. He's been in some short fields, um, races where he wasn't allowed to just sit back and make one run. And that's what he wants to do. Um, all these short fields and slow paces that he's been landing in this year, or last year, towards the end of last year, have just forced him to, to chase and try and stay close. That's not what he wants to do. And I think with the speed in this race, you know, hopefully they'll go out and they'll race a little bit in front of him and he can just make one run from off the pace. I think it's going to be a good price in here. So I wanted to try him. I'm going to bet him to win in this race. I'm going to use him with the two Jacobs horses in fact. Well, again, the, the Daily Racing Forum provides us with so much good information, and one of the things that the wise guys used to have that we don't anymore, thanks to the Racing Forum, is uh, trainer performances off layoffs. And this gives me, I'm pushing on Candyman E, because strapping groom, David Jacobson, off the layoff, 
15% with uh, the stats on Candyman. But second race off the layoff, 26% Candyman E. So that's going to that's push me on that horse. But if uh, you know me for any time, I'm a master of the obvious. So no big deal there, and the horse probably won't pay anything. But let's move on to the top flight. Uh, a grade two, we're going to go a mile and a sixteenth here. Uh, brought together a, a, a kind of a short field for uh, $200,000. Uh, I I. Can't get my eyes off the horse that won it last year, Summer Applause, and the horse that's uh, beaten just about everybody in the field twice, Team Pauline. Yeah, I mean, it really does sort of feel like uh, the two right horses in here, Team Pauline. I mean, she just beat several of these horses in each of her last two races. And, uh, you know, um, she is one of those horses, though, John. And I don't know if, if Saturday is the right day for this um, but she is one of those horses who I'm I'm just dying to bet against in one of these big races because each of her last two races, um, and she ran well both times, but uh, you you don't you don't get softer trips than she got in either of those two races where there was just no speed to go with her on paper and she waltzed around the track in front of everybody and they couldn't catch her. And uh, I know she won by ten last time, but not only did she get absolutely loose on the lead in there, but it was a I mean, a deadly inside speed track at Aqueduct that day, and she just rode it to victory. I don't think she, her edge on some of these horses is as big as it may look based on the ladies' handicap last time. Uh, with that being said, she just might be right on the front again in here, and there doesn't seem like there's that much speed to go with her, so we'll just see what happens. Um, she's the horse to beat. I was going to try and beat her with summer applause, but that's you know far from a, a clever opinion. We haven't seen her since the Breeders' Cup. Um, I think she's a pretty good horse, however, and at least she has, I think, enough tactical speed to stay within range of Teton Pauline. If it just came down to those two and they were going to hook it up and race, you know, the final quarter of a mile, I'll take my chance with this summer applause and I'll finish it. Okay, well, you certainly can't fault the class that uh, Summer Applause has faced. And the, the fact that Chad Brown is another one that, uh, off the layoff, according to my DRF information, wins 28%. Well, my producer's telling me we only got two minutes to close the show out, taking me a little bit out of your element, but I know that you track these three-year-olds pretty good. We're talking about the Swale Stakes, a race that over the years has had an impact on the Kentucky Derby, won't directly this year because of the points, but a solid win in here could see a horse uh, in the Florida Derby. Uh, the big uh, question marks here, Havana, the comeback, Johnny V in the saddle, and then no, nay, never, who they say, even if it wins this race, might go back to Europe. Yeah, it used to be, this used to be a much bigger prep for the Derby than it is now. Um, they're the two best horses in the race, I think, by a mile, and um, I would never, you know, even recommend betting against either one of them. Depends on which one you like, I guess. Obviously, there's way more questions with no, they never. He's never run on dirt. Um, he's never been beyond six furlongs before. Um, his last two races over in Europe were straightaways. Who, you know, who knows how he's going to run in this race? I would much prefer Havana to him at here. Um, who just to me, in a lot of ways, of all the two-year-olds to run on dirt last year, Havana was the best one. He has some distance limitations. I don't know how far he wants to go, but seven furlongs that feels like the right distance for, uh, for this horse, and I just think he has a world of ability. You know, and, and once again, we saw it last week in one of, the, one of the Philly races, is the fact that horses coming out of the Breeders' Cup juvenile 
both Colt and Phillies that ran races that were not uh, their best. And you have to remember that these horses were taken off Lasix, and now we'll be back on Lasix. I, I think it's a, it's a huge push back to Havana. Yeah, it's a very, very important point that you make there, John. They're going to be able to run with Lasix with this horse again. And you know what all things considered? With, even without his Lasix last time in, in the Breeders' Cup, he, he ran a very, very big race. That was a wicked pace that he was chasing the entire way. And, yeah, he got tired at the end, but he had a right to. They went really fast early in there. Well, listen, we've been talking with Mike Beer from the Daily Racing Forum. It's uh, certainly been my pleasure, and I certainly hope that uh, it's not the last time uh, we get to talk to you. And I uh, urge my listeners to go to DRF.com and watch the commentaries that uh, you and the well-respected Dan Illman uh, go toe-to-toe pretty much on a daily basis. John, thanks a lot for having me on, and believe me, the, the pleasure was all mine. All right. Well, that that was Dan Beer. I want to thank him. I also want to thank Frank Anks for his his insight. Again, he's uh, he's at thebloodhorse.com. I know you folks want to get your information from wherever you can, but remember, the main place to go is winning ponies, and if you don't believe me, all you've got to do is, is ask our friend Von Al McCoy, who took 250 bucks and turned it into 5000 in two days over the last weekend. So for all my friends at Winning Ponies, I want to thank uh, Frank and Mike, and I hope you'll be joining us again next week. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.